I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the Webby-nominated podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This episode has been sponsored by Lauren Gabrielson, which is a women's wear brand that creates elevated essentials for the modern women's wardrobe. The collection is entirely designed and produced in Brooklyn, New York. The Lauren Gabrielson woman values quality, versatile pieces that she can wear every day that are customized to her body, her time, and her style. And by the way, I have two Lauren Gabrielson headbands, which I wear all the time, and you can see in my photos on my events page because I wear them everywhere, and they're amazing, and actually my six-year-old daughter steals mine all the time. So anyway, laurengabrielson.com. I'm delighted to be interviewing Amanda Salzauer, MSW, today at Barry & Co. Bookstore. She is the co-author, along with Dale Atkins, PhD, of The Kindness Advantage, Cultivating Compassionate and Connected Children, Everyday Ideas for Raising Kids Who Care. Amanda is a social worker who's worked in both clinics and private practice. She has a master's in social work and currently lives in Riverdale with her three children, where she's actively involved in the community. Dale, by the way, has authored seven books and is a frequent sought-after guest speaker and TV expert expert, and she's the one who co-wrote the book with Amanda. Amanda currently maintains a private practice in New York and Connecticut. So welcome, Amanda, to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thanks to everybody at Barry & Co. Bookstore in Sag Harbor today. And thanks again to Taylor Rose Barry for hosting. It's so much fun. Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Okay, so here's a short bio for people who don't know about Amanda, who, by the way, co-wrote this book with her aunt, Dr. Dale Atkins. Amanda has her MSW. She's the co-author of The Kindness Advantage, Cultivating Compassionate and Connected Children, Everyday Ideas for Raising Kids Who Care. Amanda is a social worker who has worked in both clinics and private practice. She has a master's degree in social work from NYU, NYU, NYU yeah. and is a graduate of Dartmouth. She currently lives in Riverdale, New York with her three children, where she is actively involved in her community. I won't read much about Dale, but Dale, her aunt, is a licensed psychologist with 40 plus years of experience as a relationship expert who focuses on families, wellness, managing stress, and living a balanced, meaningful life. Dale is the author of seven other books and has contributed to many publications and is such a sought-after guest speaker that she is on the Today Show right now. So that is why she is not here. I said to Amanda, abandon this event and go on the Today Show, but she was nice enough to, to still come. I, I don't know that they really wanted me. I think they wanted Dale, but that's okay. I don't know. I would have snuck on there if I were you. But anyway, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so can you please tell everyone what your book, The Kindness Advantage, is about and what inspired you to write it? Absolutely. So so like most projects, it was quite a journey. We started, Dale and I started writing the book about six years ago. And at that time, Dale had been giving a lot of talks about raising charitable children. So when we started the project, that was kind of our focus about how to encourage parents and grandparents to raise charitable and compassionate children. One of the first things we did was interview people who we knew or knew of who we viewed as extremely charitable. And what we found is that a lot of these people had common characteristics. They were very accepting of other people. They were really committed to things that were important to them. They had tremendous empathy for others. And since we saw so many of those traits coming up over and over again, we thought, you know what, maybe there's a, a shift in focus here. So we took the 10 kind of most common characteristics that we saw and made those into what we call our 10 fundamentals of kindness. And we shifted a little bit to help through the book give parents and grandparents the skills and tools to raise kids who are kind, who are empathic towards others, and who are connected in the world. 
And what I thought was so great about your book, because there are lots of books that try to teach certain skills, but this was such a hands-on book. So you have all the theory and philosophy behind everything, but then you have like, here's what you can do on Tuesday. And it's very actionable. So that was, as a mom before, it's super helpful to have things that you can like actually go do. Yeah. And for for us that, that, you're welcome. (laughs) Thank you for noticing that. And I think that was really an important piece of it for us too. I have, as you said, three kids. Dale has two grown kids and six grandchildren. And, you know, having experience being in practice, the goal is to give people something concrete to do and not just kind of talk about the philosophy. Right. Excellent. I wish you were my therapist, but (laughs) maybe I'll be coming to see you now. I need more. No, I'm kidding. Um, We'll talk after. Okay. okay. Why is kindness even important? Why should we care about being kind? There's so many reasons. First of all, it's a way for us to connect with other people. Being kind kind of gives us the space to be aware of what's going on for another person, what they might need, and through our actions to connect with them. In addition, there are physiological reasons that kindness is important. I don't know if anybody's heard of this phenomenon called the helper's high, right? So if we do something kind for another person, it releases endorphins, the feel-good chemicals. It makes us feel good. And it makes us want to do more acts of kindness for other people. Interestingly, if you even observe an act of kindness, you get that benefit as well. So the idea that through acts of kindness, we can all kind of change our brain chemistry is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So, I mean, there are so many reasons kindness is important, but those are, those are the top ones in my opinion. One of the things that I took away from the book for my own kids, for the importance of kindness, is that you say kids should track kind acts. So at my kids' school, They have a wall where you can write down, like, the good deeds, and they read it out, like, the good news of the week and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's so great because then they're aware all week, what am I doing that's kind? And they can write it down. I tried to do this once in my own house, and it lasted for, like, two little Post-its. But (laughs) what are some good ways to track acts of kindness? Because I feel like bringing kids' attention, as you said, is just so key to the whole thing. Totally. I think there are a lot of different ways. I really do like the, you know, tracking it. I think so many of us as parents have been, you know, either read about in other parenting books or through our pediatricians have been given tools to do behavior modification charts. Mm -hmm. So if you think of it sort of in the same vein, this is a behavior modification chart. And if you, you know, and if you have little kids, let them decorate a chart, put it up on the refrigerator or the bulletin board, wherever you do things. And either you record them, the acts of kindness yourself, or say to them, hey, I noticed, you know, you saw the dog's bowl was empty and you filled it with water. That was really kind. And put something up on on the chart. So I think that's a terrific way. I think the other thing that's really important for us as parents is to catch our kids being kind, right? It's not something we want to be jamming down their throats. You know, like, they're going to buck against that a little bit. But if you noticed something, bring it up. Tell them. And the other thing that I think is really helpful is look kind of in your world for other kindness role models. Who do you see who's doing acts of kindness? Whether it's, you know, the crossing guard outside of school in the morning who always greets you by name and says good morning. And say, you know what, even if I'm in a crummy mood walking you to school, when I see Jane and she says, good morning, Zibby, you know, how are you today? It makes me feel good. That's an act of kindness. And that's a way for us to bring our kids' attention to the kindnesses in the world around them. 
And probably modeling, too, is super important. I mean, I know you mentioned that. Yeah, modeling is incredibly important. So there's been a lot of research about how to raise kids who are charitable, compassionate. And a couple of the things that have come out in the research is that it's really important to model kindness yourself. And interestingly, it's more important to talk about, as a parent, what you do whether you volunteer or, you know, in something structured and something less structured, what you do and why you do it and what you get out of it so that your kids understand, you know, yeah, it may look like I'm buried in paper and envelopes, but what I'm doing actually is stuffing invitations for the school benefit. That's something that I can do on, you know, on my own time when I come home from work. And it's really important to me that other families are engaged in school and help support your school. So that's why I'm doing it. So kind of having a running narrative with your child about what you do in the world, what acts of kindness, what volunteerism, why you do it and what you get out of it. And what if you just have a kid who's kind of an asshole? What happens? Like, what if they're (laughs) born that way? Or what if they just don't listen? Or what if they are not responding to your modeling or they have other more negative influences perhaps in the world that they pay more attention to? What, what then? I think that's a great question. I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind, particularly as parents, is that none of us is our ideal parent all the time. And our kids are not going to be the kids we want them to be all the time. So I think there's a difference between, you know, your kids being a real jerk on the playground and your kid really is, you know, has some sort of pathology where, you know, their entire being is difficult or unkind all the time. So I think that's a really important distinction. That said, there are always going to be moments when our kids are assholes. Sorry, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Not my kids. Not my kids. (laughs) And I think, you know, being open to the fact that it's not a bad, not a reflection on us as parents because I think sometimes parents get very defensive. You know, if if your kid is accused of doing something, it's like, that can't be, that's my perfect child. Well, no kid is perfect. No parent is perfect. And I think there are a few different things you can do. The first is try to understand what's going on for your kid. And that really gets back to this idea of empathy. And empathy is so important in parenting. You know, so if you see your kid, you know, if you pick up your kid's phone, if you have an older kid and you see they sent a really nasty text to somebody or commented something unkind on someone else's Instagram or whatever it might be, try to understand why they might have done that. And it may start with, you know, a simple question like, hey, I saw what you posted. What's up with that? What's going on? And try to understand, you know, is it that they got a bad grade on a test and as soon as they came out of the classroom, that was the first thing they saw and that's where they were venting it. Is it because this kid was at Great Adventure and you know your kid's been wanting to go to Great Adventure all summer and they were just angry. So that's how they lashed out. But try to connect with your child and understand what might be motivating that behavior. And then you can sort of remind them, hey, you know what, that's not what we do in our family. Let's think about another way you might have been able to deal with that situation and try to help coach them through some other ideas as well. What about the idea of pointing out unkind behavior? Should you ignore it or should you say like, well, look at this in the news. Like that was terrible that that person did this. Like what can we learn from that? Like do you think it's, should we go to the negatives or should we spend more time emphasizing the positives? I think they're both important. I would say spend more time emphasizing the positive, but I do think it's important to, when you see things, whether it's, you know, in the newspaper or in your day-to-day life, to point out to your kid, you know what? 
How do you think you would have felt if you were on the receiving end of that behavior? Or can you think of another way that maybe you could have, or you know, he or she could have expressed that? I think one of the things that's really difficult for people sometimes is the notion that you can be assertive and strong and also be kind. So there are ways to, even if you disagree with somebody, get your point across, but do it in a way that's respectful. And that's an important part of kindness. That's true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> what are some more essential takeaways? You said um, that movies and TVs are actually a great way, a great resource for teaching kids about kindness, pointing out. It doesn't have to be in your real life. Yes. It can be watching any kind of show, even Paw Patrol or whatever you're doing with your kids and using that. So tell me more things like that in addition to the TV angle. I think the TV and movie angle is a great angle. And I think given kind of what your focus is, reading is another really important way to do that. And I think that so many of us, you know, especially if we have older kids, don't think about reading together with mm -hmm. our kids. It's very different to, you know, sit snuggled up in bed with your three-year-old and flip the pages of a picture book. But as your kids get older, you can still read together, whether it's reading a book that your kid's reading for pleasure or reading for school. Even my daughter who's in college will send me her, you know, course syllabi, and I'll pick one or two things that look interesting and read that as well. And that gives us a framework to have conversations about whether it's kindness or other difficult topics. But I think that's another great way to kind of initiate conversation about kindness. I think since so many kids are so engaged in social media, that's another really useful way to kind of talk about kindness. You can DM your kid something that you see on somebody else's Instagram account. Wow, isn't that amazing? Look at this kid. They're doing a fundraiser because they heard about, you know, another child that doesn't have enough money to get school supplies and, you know, kind of share that way as well. I'm reading one of, an upcoming guest for the podcast is, his name is Rex Ogle, and he wrote a middle grade fiction book called Free Lunch about his experience growing up. It's written in a more fictional style, but it actually was based on his life. And I've been reading it. I was like, you guys, we should read this together. We're interviewing him when we're in LA. And they're learning so much. They're like, wait, people can't, I mean, this, I can't even say this is embarrassing, but you know, we're very lucky in our lives. We don't have to worry about getting dinner on the table. And I point that out, but it's been very different for them to read this one person's story than have me say, what do you mean? You're not, you know, you're so lucky. Right. So it, it resonates in a totally different way. Things. Yeah. And it was so great. You put a whole list of recommended books in your book, which not everybody does. So that was really great. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And I think the other thing is there's so much research that's come out in the last decade or so about how reading literary fiction impacts empathy. Yeah. So, you know, so what you're saying is research-based. You know, there's evidence to support that exact experience your kids are having. There's so many things to try to weave into the daily life of making kids into better people. It's like it's so hard. I'm like, <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to keep doing that too. <laughs> Do you think kids need like big acts? Like some parents say, well, once, you know, every couple years I take my kids to Africa and show them blah, blah, blah. I think what we really focus on in the book is kind of twofold. It's primarily these everyday acts of kindness, because I think that each one of us has an opportunity to be kind countless times during the course of a day, whether it's walking down the street in Sag Harbor, walking down the street in New York City, you know, saying hello to somebody who's holding the door for you. You know, if you see somebody in the supermarket struggling to reach something on a high shelf, offer to help. 
Those are acts of kindness that help our kids and us create habits of kindness. Don't get me wrong. If your kid is incredibly passionate about saving the elephants and that's where they're leading and you end up taking them to Africa to, you know, to see them and support them, that's a totally different story. But I think that we don't have to think about these grand acts. And I think that sometimes we get bogged down in the idea that we do. And I don't think that's what it's about. I think it's, you know, each individual person taking the opportunities they see to notice acts of kindness, if there's an opportunity to be kind, to do it, and making the world a better place that way. So tell me more about writing this book. How did you, I know you said it took six years and it came from this place, but how did you and your aunt actually do this? Did you use Google? Like, tell, take me through the whole thing, even as you changed it. Just like, where do you like to write? Yeah. Had you written more before this? Did you like writing? It was a really interesting process. So, you know, forget the fact that I'm writing with another human being. This is a human being who has been my mentor, you know, and my role model my whole life. So Dale and I have always been very close. She's been kind of my professional role model as a psychologist. So it was fascinating. I also feel so blessed that she's gone through this process so many times before. So she really led the way. Logistically, we often sat side by side in front of the computer in her office. So I would drive up to Connecticut in the morning. We'd sit, you know, sit at the computer together and write together. We literally wrote every word of this. Most 90% physically together. And then when we sort of got more adept at Google Docs, we could be on the phone, both looking at the same screen. One of the things that was most challenging, though, in one of the earlier iterations of the book, it was very much divided, a section for parents and a section for kids. And Dale was kind of the voice of the parents, and I was the kid voice. And that was helpful because our voices are somewhat different. So coming to a place, once we changed the structure of the book, where we both felt comfortable with the voice was something that really took us a while to get to in terms of the writing process. So that was a challenge, I would say. And would you do, would you want to do another book with on your own or would you want to do it would you collaborate again like was it an overall positive it was overall a wonderful experience I would say (laughs) (laughs) no overall it was a fabulous experience and I think that since we finished the book we've written quite a few articles together Mm -hmm. so the process has become much more streamlined and much more comfortable one of the things that we're thinking about is doing kind of a companion for the book that would be a kindness curriculum for schools because we've done a lot of talks at schools and that's one of the things that um, the teachers and administrators seem to be interested in so i could see us potentially doing that we're not sure yet but i really i was I would not have considered myself a writer before this process, and I have been pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoy writing that I didn't realize. (laughs) I've always been a reader, but I never thought of myself as a writer. They say that's, like, the most important thing for writing is reading a lot. Yeah. What What do you like to read? What types of books, usually? I will read anything. Honestly, I love, you know, my primary love is fiction. I also really enjoy reading YA books. I read a very interesting book recently called Sadie, which I don't know if you've heard of. Oh, I have a Sadie. Do you have a Sadie? Okay. Really interesting book, and I loved the structure. The The chapters alternated, and it was alternating perspectives. One was the teenager who's the protagonist, sort of on her journey. And the other, the alternating chapters were the transcript of a podcast that was written about this, the protagonist and her sister, both of whom kind of disappear. 
Hmm. So it was fascinating, just because it was so unlike anything I'd ever read. And when do you find time to read? I always read at night before bed, you know, even if it's one page and then I'm out. Like so many suburban moms, I also have my audiobook for the car <laughs> because I spend a ton of time driving around. And then I usually I have a book in my bag. So even if I have, you know, five minutes, I'm waiting for an appointment, waiting to pick up a kid, I'll take out a book and read then. I have this new thing with Libro FM. They're an audiobook company and they can actually split the proceeds from audiobooks with independent bookstores. You can pick your bookstore or they'll pick it. Heard about um, so now all the books that are on my podcast are on playlists with them. So that's isn't that great. Cool? Yeah. That's so if really anybody cool. is interested, LibroFM.com slash playlists. Anyway, I thought it was really neat. I think that's amazing. Um, anyway, enough of that. So what is coming next for you? You're going to keep doing your so you're doing mostly private practice now? or I have I actually recently closed my private oh, practice. Okay. So scratch I, that. Scratch that. You know, but in the vein of sort of understanding how to be kind to yourself, which I think is something we didn't talk about, which is really important, especially True. as parents. I found I love what I did. I love what I do. But I found at this moment in my life, there wasn't enough of me to go around. So I kind of had to make that decision. So I've been doing a lot of writing, a lot of talks. As I mentioned, a lot of talks at schools, churches, synagogues, all kinds of community groups. And I think that Dale and I will probably continue to do some writing kind of in this kindness vein together. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. It's so nice that you're like dedicating your life to helping the world be full of kinder acts and people. I mean, that's amazing what you're doing, really. I mean, thank you. No, it's true. But do you have any advice to aspiring authors out there? Right. I mean, I think that's the the basic advice. And I think that one of the things that I discovered is that you just have to sit down and do it and not be judgmental. Because, you know, if you sit and try to write and edit and write and edit, for me at least, I found that that was very disheartening. And if I just let myself sit and write for an hour and then went back, you know, the next day to look at it and assess, I was able to get a lot more out on the page and just you know, like everything you write is not going to be fabulous and that's okay. It's sort of, again, creating the habit and making a a process for yourself. Great. That's what I would say. Well, thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a treat. Thanks to Barry and Co. Bookstore in Sag Harbor and thanks to everybody for coming. Thank you. Thanks again to my sponsor, Lauren Gabrielson, the women's wear brand that creates elevated essentials for the modern women's wardrobe, laurengabrielson.com. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 